Hello all you seekers, explorers and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. You may be familiar with the uh, term synchronicities. It's the uh, case where you have uh, an occurrence or a phenomena in your psyche that matches an external event or occurrence. The famous uh, psychiatrist and psychotherapist Carl Jung uh, popularized the term or the use of the term uh, in the early part of the 20th century as part of his philosophies and uh, writings into uh, psychiatry and the function of the psyche or the mental aspects of a human. I think today it's mostly ascribed to those that have a uh, spiritual belief system and uh, more linked towards uh, you know seeing number sequences or feathers or coins or what what, what have you uh, believing that it's they are being presented to you from uh, the beyond as it were. Carl Jung certainly uh, felt uh, had some uh, esoteric value to the uh, uh, the experiences and for those that experience them and resonate with them, uh, they certainly are very mystic in nature. So whether they are mystical in nature, or messages from beyond as it were, or if they are uh, psychological events that are directing your thoughts, uh, doesn't really matter because they are quite useful uh, either way, and we can use them to our advantage to help guide us uh, from our subconscious as it were, and to uh, help us uh, find new direction and uh, moving our programming us, uh, conditioning as it were, to a more positive uh, aspect that will serve us uh, better in life. Since there is no scientific backing for any of these occurrences, then uh, you know we can enjoy the philosophical discussion and uh, enjoy the fact that None of us can be right or wrong at this point, anyway. Well, I suppose some of us are, but you know we won't know who that is until we can actually put some validation to it and uh, have some empirical data to go by. But anyway, we have a good discussion ahead of you, so uh, I'm not going to hold you back any longer. So enjoy the discussion. Synchronicities or synchronicity as a concept goes back to Carl Jung, who was uh, the, the who kind of came up with the uh, concept, and it is defined as the a causal connection of two or more psychic and physical phenomena. So Charles de Lent from uh, the Netherlands said, "I do believe in an everyday sort of magic." the inexplicable connectedness we sometimes experience with places, people, uh, works of art, and the like. The eerie appropriateness of moments of synchronicity. The whispered voice, the hidden presence when we think we are alone. So when we look at the the origin of it, so Carl Jung uh, was a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist uh, in the early parts of last century. And he uh, was working with a girl who uh, had um, what he called animus uh, inflation. 
which is basically a, a inf or uh, attachment to the uh, the outside with no connection with the inside. Uh, when I was working with this girl, um, she had a dream about the golden scarab. And when she came in for therapy the next day, uh, there appeared a golden scarab uh, in the office, which wasn't really, I think it was based in Switzerland, right, Carl? Um, and uh, really not the place where those exist uh, very commonly anyway so this was the this was where he started to develop the idea of synchronicity so you have a dream and it manifests in the real life in some way or uh, one way or another so if we're looking at modern psychotherapy or modern uh, therapy today we are actually starting to move more from just looking at the mind, which Freud was very much about looking at the mind as a physical thing, right? Um, and we are moving in more towards looking at the mind-body connection, but not enough with that. We're also looking at the mind-body and uh, spiritual connection. So uh, therapists today would probably, in a lot of cases, uh, be more uh, very interested in looking at all three of those when they're looking at uh, at the presenting issue of uh, a client or a patient. The synchronicity is where we perhaps see number sequences a lot of times, or we see feathers in strange locations, or coins that appear seemingly out of thin air, right? Um, and when we're not conscious of these appearance or these occurrences and or for example you think of a friend and suddenly they call right uh so when we're not conscious of it these things can be easily kind of dismissed as uh, anomalies or uh, they are within these statistical uh, uh, probabilities because if you think of how many times you think of any given friend and uh, that that person then calls. It's more when you start looking at the people that, and I think a lot of you guys on the uh, discussion here uh, will recognize this, that are conscious of it. So for example, what are the statistical probability that out of the times I look at the clock every day, you know, 90% of those times it will be double digits or triple digits on the clock. That is a statistical anomaly in itself, isn't it? So, um, but this is not nothing that science can really explain. Uh, and, you know, they, they simply boil it down to coincidences, uh, whether they are statistical probabilities uh, involved or not. Yeah, so it's looking at what's probable and kind of what works for you. So it's not running around looking for these di different things to to get messages as it were it's what resonates with you right and thank you very much that's a really great introduction chris and yeah the synchronicities is something that i have definitely started paying a little bit more attention in the last year or so and i have seen initially i was just paying number uh, paying attention to numbers because like the number the amount of times that i've seen those sequences um 
on the on the clocks or sometimes the multiple clocks clock. like it's amazing like sometimes i go into like my living room and i've got a few digital watches and like uh, smart meter and it was like you know 111 and my energy and gas usage was 111 and we've got some of these and you look at this and it's like wow that's like living in the matrix and I suppose the way I started using them, it was just kind of a signpost to be a little bit more mindful and just um, take breath, be appreciate the moment that you are that I'm in now, and use this as a kind of reminder that this beautiful moment is, you know, is 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 worth this moment is worth living for. And I suppose with my advancement in kind of meditation practice, what I noticed that. I have different synchronicities happening in different dimensions of life. So, for example, I remember a couple of months ago, I went to um, the hospital with my wife and we had the appointment and they asked me to leave the clinic that she went in and wait in the like main artium. So what I did, like I put my phone away and I just sat down and meditate and I just observed my body to and, and and mind and i just i didn't feel it wasn't a thought it was just like i i stood up and i went towards the door that i supposed to meet my midwife and as the time i approached the the door the midwife opened the door so it was like where does it come from like that that's pretty uh, that's that's you know we well, can you, call it coincidence but you like, basically have your intuition come in and say okay time to stand up because yeah. you know, she's going to come out of the door so if you stand up now walk over to the door you're going to be there at the same time yeah and if that happens like three times a day different like you know i pick up the phone or i go i i get up to go towards the door because i expect someone and that someone is just there you know, like even Amazon delivery or something like that. And if it happens all the time, then it's it indicates that I'm really in that flow motion. But what I noticed as well, that at some point, those synchronicities stopped. I stopped watching the watch. I stopped noticing those sequences. And I stopped receiving those, um, those gifts or those experiences. And what I realized is actually, is something going on here that I'm a little bit more stressed or frustrated or something just going on that I didn't necessarily pay attention for and actually the stop for me the lack of those synchronicities was a signpost that I really need to sit down and meditate on what's going on because it 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 was the first demonstration of the friction that is going on that was going on the very subconscious level that it has no chance appearing at the consciousness conscious level and but that was the first signpost that I used. The lack of absence of synchronicities was the first signpost that something was going on. And because of that, I was able really to dive deeper and explore this. And now I'm again in the situation that everything is at ease. So it's a very useful concept. Yeah, so, so from your point of view, I would deduce that you don't really care whether it's spiritual or scientific or whatever it is. It's helping you. Yeah, and I not necessarily believe, well, I not necessarily believe in putting everything in the categories, like whether this is material or spiritual or religious experience. It is an experience. And I suppose we are very naive when 
we try to understand everything with the rigid categories. I suppose the landscape of our reality is so vast that we can use very narrow lenses like science or spiritualism or religious or philosophy to navigate through that landscape. But the reality itself, at the very ontological level, it doesn't know those realities. It's just uh, something that we have created throughout our development and our evolution to investigate the specific phenomena. But by categorizing it, I think we sometimes remove ourselves through, through from that experience. Okay, yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, uh, as a concept, I totally agree with you. Labeling does prevent us from seeing the totality of it. So I, I, I'm prone to agree with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Carol, for what you had to say. I, I also conceptually believe what you say too, but one of the things that when I really started looking at what I call, well, Christopher and I actually are creating a whole entire course called Science of Science based on this work. And ultimately, the when I really started looking at this in 2012, when I started tracking it, I had a little uh, journalist notebook with me all the time. So when I was in Ireland, I had a little flip pad that I was taking notes all the time because there were so many different messages that I was getting on a regular basis. And it was almost like nonstop. But what I felt like there was a refinement aspect to it of where I feel like when people don't see synchronicities in their lives, they don't see patterns and synchronicities at all. A lot of times that's because you're not in alignment with what is possible. And then what ends up happening though is that once you start being in alignment with all these signs and synchronicities, those are markers. So when you see that, because I have that too, I have on my my microwave um, clock, it'll say 11, 11, and then my my um, my stove clock will do 11, 11, and then my thermostat for my air conditioner will be 11, 11. I'd be like 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, and then they'll all shift. But for that moment, I go into extreme gratitude. I just thank the benevolence of the universe. I literally close my eyes and I say, thank you, because it's a marker for me. It's an opportunity to step into that space that says, thank you, thank you, thank you, that you are communicating with me. I don't need to know who's communicating with me. I just know that they, they become these markers of where I need to pause for a moment and I need to anchor that into my, my consciousness. Once I've anchored that into my consciousness, then I find that it happens over and over and more and more and more. And it opens me up completely to where my whole entire life is a synchronicity. So it's almost like this intentionality of stepping into this space of where initially when people have their spiritual awakenings, they have a couple of signs, a couple of things here, a couple of things there, and they become patterns and they see this a few times and they're like, oh, this is interesting. But then it becomes to me, I mean, you know, Christopher and I, it's like in, in actuality, it ends up becoming where it's like almost ridiculous because, because in a sense, it's like this whole beautiful way of being communicated with the universe. And so when you have that opportunity to open yourself up to that play and knowing that the universe wants to communicate with you, then from that perspe perspective, it's like everything becomes a playground. The world becomes this beautiful playground of where you get to just play and be in that childlike wonder and suspend disbelief. And then all these beautiful things start coming to you, like a global launch of a TV channel and having an opportunity <laughs> to have all these beautiful things occur. So that's just something of where, to me, that's the way I look at synchronicities. And after a while, it just becomes this whole complete flow that you're running with. And you're, you're completely in alignment with the energies of the universe, despite the fact that they're invisible. Yeah, thank you, Barbie. And I think there, there, we, we do need to question ourselves all the time. I, I do that in a way, and uh, I find it it's a, it's a good way for me to 
understand the, the experiences I'm having because I'm able to take myself out of the label as uh, Carol was uh, so uh, uh, talking about before. So if you look at psychology, um, one could argue that once we start seeing these sequences, uh, we do engage the reticular activating system that then draws our attention to these occurrences. So it's it's a little bit of a, a chicken and egg situation. What came first, right? So when you show that gratitude to it, then your brain goes, oh, yes, we should focus on this, right? Uh, and this is a psychological uh, fact that there is a system called the reticular activating system it's not something i made up Uh, (laughs) and we also know that we we do have an inner clock uh that we we might not you know actively use but it's something that uh, one could argue is there a possibility that perhaps this system is able to use the internal clock to highlight that to us uh now i know for my my own experience uh, because I am a lot of times a little cynical and do question things um, I will get perhaps 11-11 on the clock but then if I'm driving a car then there will be something on the odometer like uh, four sixes or something like that uh, because I, I go into that question mark, oh is this really it and then it's like, yes, it is. Look, <laughs> right? So there is that uh, validation for me. And uh, I think the uh, part of the exciting thing is that we can all, we can play with it, right? So I've played with this in uh, using kind of double blind scenarios where I, I tell the, uh, uh, before I went to Sweden uh, one time with the girls, my father passed away in 2005 and this was 2015. So now, depending on your belief system, but I have conversations with my father and I said, so if you appear in my sister-in-law's dream while we're in Sweden, can you please show me one, two, three, four? Um, And took a little while during the trip, it was halfway through the trip. And uh, at lunchtime, I see one, two, three, four. So I go to my sister-in-law and I said, did you dream of father last night? And she goes, as a matter of fact, I did. Um, So that for me, she wasn't aware of it, and I was able to kind of uh, use her as a double-blind uh, proof for validation for myself. And this doesn't need to be a validation for anybody else, but this is how I used to to say, okay, well, there is something to this because this this is more than a coincidence. This is a double-blind test, right? And that's what I'm saying. It's having that playing with the universe. And as Barbara was saying, with the uh, extreme gratitude, if you use that that as a trigger for for you to experience gratitude, then why not? You know, you use the the your environment around you to trigger you to have positive or experience positive feelings, right? So instead of uh, allowing a trigger to trigger your anger or your anxiety or whatever it is allow it to trigger something positive for you so it becomes that almost like pattern interrupt and uh, allow it you're changing your mindset and changing your framing of uh, what a trigger is so you know that you can actually make those changes within yourself which i think is perfectly usable 
and uh, per perfectly viable, whatever one has a belief system around. As in the spiritual community, I think a lot of times we look at, oh, is it the higher power, is it spirit guides, whatever it may be, uh, really it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's based on your belief system. So even if you're an atheist, this is something that you can use to your benefit. Uh, a lot of times, like Carol was talking about before with the intuition, it plays along with that. So the more you pay attention to it, I've noticed with myself in a way that my intuition gets more and more prevalent in my life. It becomes more and more uh, obvious to me, right? And then if we're going back to looking at what Jung was talking about, it's the meaning between the physical occurrence and what has something that goes on with you. There's that emotional connection between the physical uh, occurrence and something within you, right? Uh, and it's from that that you then make the interpretation. So I've, I've been seeing, seeing number sequences uh, probably for about a good five years now. Um, and every single day, every hour, it's like double digits at least two or three times an hour. Now, do they individually hold a particular meaning for me? Because we, we the New Age movement uh, has presented all these formulas and systems, right? The, you have angel, angel numbers and there's numerology and so forth. Uh, each number holds a certain uh, vibration, which is fair enough. But I think a lot of times we do rely a little too much on those kind of systems. It's more, what does it mean to you, right? So for me, these number sequences didn't necessarily hold any uh, specific purpose in the individual sequences. It was more like to remind me that there is support, there is something out there. It's uh, And it was during a time where, you know, things were very uncertain for me. So it allowed me to just gain that, have that support and feel that, um, you know, we there was a purpose, right? Yeah, I think it's really important in our course of Science of Science. It's also something that it's really, really important to have your own individual lexicon about what this is too, because I agree with you. It's like, I don't want to read someone else's interpretation of what my experiences are, because otherwise, if I ascribe that to them, it's kind of like when you go to the doctors and you have all sorts of ailments of some sort and they say, well, take this pill because it, it gets all of these different maladies, but do they really, really know whether or not that's actually the correct prescription for you? No, but they're going to throw it at you and hope that, you know, it hits the somewhere on the bullseye, somewhere in there, they'll give you the medication for that. But it's like, again, it's not actually specifically for that. It just might, might have an opportunity to be able to take care of that, those symptoms. And so I think what ends up happening is the fact that with the number things, and I know I've shared this with you before, it's like with the number things, that playfulness with the universe to me is so much more important than the actual meaning of those kind of things. So I remember like, you know, I was looking for sequences and I was writing down in my, you know, I will literally, I will dictate them into my phone. So I was looking for the opportunity to see three zeros, ones, twos, threes, fours, five, six, seven, eights, and nines. I was looking for just an opportunity to play with the universe to see whether or not I could see every single number sequence. And there were actually days of where I would get, you know, all of them plus bonus one, 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 and then six, 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 or five, 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 five. And so it would be literally, 
I would look in my, my dream journal and I would see that I'd had 12 number sequences specifically because I had asked for the opportunity to be able to see, you know, like how many of these can I actually see? So to me, if you gamify it and you have the opportunity to have this, this sentient energy that you can't name, you can't see is completely invisible, but you can feel it. You can feel this beautiful energy that is there supporting you and part of you. Some people want to call it, you know, they put it into dogma and they put it into a religion. But instead, I like the idea of a universal source energy. So if I'm playing with universal source energy and it's showing me all these different things, it's a muscle. Intuition is a muscle. The more that you use intuition, the more that you can start to follow it because it almost becomes like your vagus nerve, these opportunities to have this all perception. And because so many people, I mean, you've commented multiple times on this podcast, the majority of people have three emotions, sad, glad, and pissed off. They have those three emotions. This is, this is literally playing with the whole palette. It's having the crayon box of 128 shades of colors that I want to use the the seafoam green today. And I want to use the magenta and I want to use the royal blue and the cobalt and all these different nuances. So to me, synchronicities become these beautiful things. And like Tatiana, you have a beautiful, you know, art piece behind you. I will never forget that when I went to the Uffizi in Florence, Italy, when I saw the Botticelli on the wall with the Venus de Milo, it was so massively huge, but the green and the seafoam that Venus comes out of it doesn't capture on a photograph. You cannot see that shade of green on a camera. You have to witness it in person and say, oh, wow, that is the most beautiful green I've ever seen before. So this is the kind of stuff where to me, it's also not about this, like, I need to make this a meaning. I need to say that this is what this means. This is what this means. This is what this means. All of the things have to be in the sense of figuring this out of where you allow this playfulness of where it's like, okay, well, now that I got this, this thing, what else can you show me? What else do you want me to know? What else do you want me to see? What else do you want me to pay attention to? And then when you start connecting to that, it's almost like if you remember that movie Avatar, remember all those people, they basically on the off planet, they had that horse and they had to jump on that horse and it might've basically bucked them off. But once they melded with that horse and they had the tail that melded with them, they were one forever. And they literally, that was their horse forever. So that's the kind of thing too. It's like, it's a scary process, but once you've melded with that energy, it's almost like it's foolproof and it will never let you down. Yeah, thank you, Barbara, sharing your experiences there. And uh, before I go to you, Brenda, yeah, absolutely. The, the connection between arts and your emotions in terms of you know, whether it being visual art or music or something like that, it's quite amazing. I mean, opera to me is one of those things. It just stirs something deep within me, right? There is a lot to be said for uh, the connection between the, the physical and the emotional in that respect. So thank you, Barbie. Yeah, so connecting with uh, some of what Barbie shared and what Carol has shared um, around really tuning into the synchronicities and noticing them and bringing them in and appreciating them. I, I think that as we connect to those things and connect further to ourselves, then we're able to see the synchronicities even further. Um, I had a situation where a lot of synchronicities came to me and I, I saw them as signs for something that I was to do. And as I was trying to explain to people, you know, what brought me to that, uh, people that aren't in the same realm that we're in, so to speak, um, where we, we speak the same language, 
and knowing and, and understanding that there's these these signs that we follow. Um, I had somebody say to me, well, I, I wouldn't know to, uh, to do that unless it smacked me between the eyes. And to me, it actually did smack me between the eyes because there were so many different signs and synchronicities coming to me. There, there was just no ignoring it. Um, but I think for a lot of people, they're not in tune enough with those signs or with themselves to be able to actually see what's being presented to them and and follow those avenues as they come up. And um, I think a lot of it is really not allowing ourselves to be so distracted with the outside world and being able to tune into ourselves and tune into all the the beauty of the universe and what's being presented to us. Thank you, Brenda. And like Barbie was saying before, if if we only have three emotions that we're aware of, how can we emotionally connect with these different things, right? So it's, I think it is when we become more aware and we actually do the work of uh, kind of clearing out the, these different uh, core woundings that we have, uh, and we allow these emotions to actually come up and escape from our bodies that we, we can build that emotional intelligence. And as we build that emotional intelligence, we are able to connect deeper with external aspects. And because we then become more aware of it, it can then have a better smack between the eye effect, right? It kind of goes hand in hand there. And, and that also goes along with the intuition. The more or the better uh, emotional intelligence you build up, the more intuitive you are going to be because you it communicates through through your uh, emotions oftentimes, right? So it all comes in through emotions. And emotions is the way that your body communicates with you. So it, it just becomes that ability to listen to your, uh, that inner voice, which is uh, comes through your emotions. It's just a note of the emotion. Thank you. Um, I think it's very useful um, conversation. And uh, one of the really great points that I have learned reading the book by Lisa Feldman Barrett, How Emotions Are Made and Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain, and really great advice is to learn um, vocabulary, the emotional vocabulary from different languages and different cultures, because that expands. Well, there are some philosophers who claim that limitations of our vocabulary or language, it's uh, limitations of our world. And primarily the word is very left hemispheric the language is producing the left hemisphere and of course you've got the whole right hemisphere so by expanding your vocabulary you expand a little bit of your brain and your awareness of of the world your horizon is broadened and that's a very kind of very i'm oversimplifying that but just that's i i think it does that is good enough um and but i suppose one of the beauty of meditation is actually that you can tap into those feelings without naming the your emotions and without naming the experiences you can just tune it in you can just feel it and this is actually when the magic happens when you feel is that when synchronicities are are happening and we can get into that state of flow 
it's um and this is almost wordless experience and i think this is what barbie was saying and what you were saying about music and art because the art and the, the whole idea about creating art and music is to convey something that is beyond words that is tapping into different areas of brains is you've got different brain patterns emerging and it's got different impact on you that you cannot access whilst using words and you can tap into those same areas whilst you know in hypnosis in meditation or using psychedelic uh, substances so and i think there is a natural people naturally stray striving to alter consciousness in some some in some way and i feel that synchronicity is are great reminders so yeah that's uh, one point that I was going to make. And the second point, I'm really surprised that you love opera. I was always thinking that you're a heavy metal guy, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know me too far too well for that, uh, uh, Carol, to uh, think that I'm into heavy metal. <laughs> well, nice try, nice try. Um, and it's worth pondering if you think of dreaming, uh, our dream state, often or very rarely when we come out of our dream, do we describe it as, oh, so I was uh, telling this person this and that, and then I was talking about this. It's always about the situation. It's always about the surroundings. It's about the colors. It's about the, uh, you know, what's happening. Uh, what are the emotions? It's rarely about what we're saying. It's by uh, I rarely remember what I, my dreams to begin with, but uh, when I do remember, I, there's not much conversation uh, unless it's a lucid dream or something like that. Um, but it's something to consider that your subconscious doesn't necessarily work in words. It uh, it works more. It works with emotions, right? It doesn't necessarily come out and say, "Hey, Christopher, now we're going to. Uh, I'm going to activate this program for you." Um, it will tell you because your emotions uh, convey it to you. So it's it's through the emotions that we are able to uh, speak beyond words. And uh, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, and that's how you can communicate with anybody in the world because emotions, we can all experience the same emotions. And I think it is uh, a good point to just allow these emotions that come up to be rather than labeling them whatever they may be if you want to convey it to someone else then yes absolutely it's like oh i'm having this emotion right but a lot of times you know people don't they're not uh, tapped into the emotional spectrum so they they wouldn't even know the difference between fear and excitement because to the brain fear and excitement is exactly the same thing it's only your perception of it that uh, distinguishes how your body reacts to it. Yeah, um, I you raise uh, another excellent point about the connections and emotions. And a couple of weeks ago, I went wild camping in in Wales in in, in the hills. And when I woke up in the morning, I opened the tent and I've seen flock of sheep, and it was amazing. And it was very foggy morning. And I was with a couple of friends and we started eating breakfast and, um, you know, 
having coffee and, and, and enjoying the view and enjoying the nature. And I suddenly realized that one of the, the flock of the sheep has gone missing. And there was one sheep that after a while has realized that the flock gone, vanished. And I was watching her very closely. She, you, I was able to see panic in her face. The sounds that she made, it was very... You, you felt that emotions, you felt that tension, and I was able to really connect with that animal to the point that I've never been able to connect with the animal before. And it is such a great, it was, whether you call it synchronicity or no, I stopped eating meat some, you know, a few months ago, because I had this kind of the deep feeling that animals are conscious, and I decided not to eat a conscious being ever again. And Whilst I was looking at this animal, I I was able to imagine, or actually I was able to feel what she has felt. I was able to kind of tap into her experience that was, again, completely wordless. And as you said, Christopher, the emotion convey very deep messages, messages very often that are related to our survival. We need emotions to survive. And to her, being in the flock, in being that social circumstances is a matter of survival. So whether whether that was the synchronicity, whether it was something that, you know, it was one of those experiences that get me back on track and connect with those animals and with the nature, I don't know. But I... I it was something very magical about connecting with that with that animal. Oh, that's fantastic! And I, it's it totally fits in in terms of it's the connection between the outside and the inside, right? So it's uh, the synchronicity is about the connection with uh, uh, an experience on the outside to the inside. So uh, now. For you, this had special meaning because of your connection. It wasn't necessarily that the sheep was conveying something to you. But at the same time, that emotional connection may have awakened something within you that then uh, that is not going to be apparent to you for a while yet, or it may already be apparent. I'm not sure. Um, it's my, not my experience. Uh, but the, the point is that uh, if we have the patience and we observe these things and we allow them to exist within us, then they can become apparent uh, uh, later on, the mess or the message or whatever. Um, why was there a, an, emo an emotional connection between uh, the number sequence I saw and, um, uh, and me? Why was there an emotional connection? So that's something that then can... Uh, convey something to you might not be immediate, might be later and this is where, like Barbie was saying, it's important to uh, write these down and uh, keep a journal of them so that you can refer back to them. Uh, one of these things, I, I've always had a very particular draw to Spain. Uh, I've always felt very home there. It's felt like a you know, second home to me ever since I went there as a little kid. Uh, it's always had that connection for me. Now, why is that in particular with Spain? You know, there are other lovely countries I've gone to that have beautiful weather and beautiful beaches and around the Mediterranean. Then you can say, okay, why is that that um, special connection there? Where does that come from? Does it have to do with the experiences? Is it, you know, uh, is there something deeper to it? I have my belief system around it, and that's not for this uh, call, but. 
it's that there we can look out for those connections and uh, those emotional connections because then as we allow ourselves to ask ourselves the questions as we move through life and we we are moving into new experiences we can actually check with our emotions before and say hmm does this resonate with me and then we can actually have experiences that are going to be more valuable to us and that we resonate more with. Uh, so we can actually use these synchronicities to build up that uh, skill to tap into the synchronicities before they even happen. Does that make sense? There is a, uh, a system that you can build up. And uh, the reason we're doing this call today is because Barbie and I recorded uh, the masterclass on uh, science of science yesterday. So it was fresh in my in my uh, head, as it were, and uh, I wanted to bring this conversation to you and see how how it applies to you. And in certain moments of my life, I would say that I've been living inside of synchronicity, and those moments are the happiest, the happiest in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to to be in a corner of a street and thinking a person and make it happen that the person will meet me there we also play around with that so we play to get lost in a multitude of people and find each other just using intuition i was very young and the crazy thing that happens to me is that one day we were talking i was talking to a friend very near to the ocean and a fish just came out to the ocean and fall on top of me alive And I was saving a fish. (laughs) And then we were looking for why this happened. And it was very related to a conversation that we were having. So I said, okay. And what I would like to say is that as, as, as you were saying, I think we have the illusion of identity. This is some, so we have the illusion of ego. We have a name, we have a body, but this is just for me, like an state of being and like in a painting we're part of the biggest like canvas and imagine that we are a color in a canvas and that's that's who we are we have a name we have yellow if we go deep we have a super number we have yellow 1007 but really we are a canvas, a bigger canvas. And the synchronicity is when you, in, in a way we, you get in tune with that, like fact that we are very big at pictures. And it's beautiful because there is freedom in them because you don't, you can only know, you can receive, but you can only also be active and make a fish came out of the water and save it and find someone. But my question is why sometimes life is stopping like that? Because that happens to me. I experience moments where I'm super like fluent with this and I'm, I'm experiencing moments when I get like clapped. Mm-hmm. So my question is why it's not always like that? Well, I think uh, Carol touched on this earlier where he, he finds he has uh, periods of time where he's totally in flow and there's all these synchronicities uh, communicating with them all, all around him and then suddenly they disappear and he 
he realizes that he's there's something bugging him or there's some part of a uh, resistance with him and in them so i think uh, from a psychological point of view i think i i think it's uh, when we become more focused on the external as opposed to allowing our uh, our emotions to communicate with us uh, that's when we lose that connection uh, and we're not present within our bodies to exp- uh, have the full experience um, and then when we allow ourselves to release uh, whatever anger or annoyance or whatever it may be, then we allow ourselves to come back into our bodies and actually experience our bodies and our emotions and uh, everything that goes on within. And then we can then have that balance between ourselves and the external world. Because, I mean, uh, we are conditioned in as we grow up, to only trust what is on the outside. So we, until we realize that we should, it's a good idea uh, to uh, live from the inside out as opposed to living from the uh, just living on the outside. Uh, we do only trust the outside, and we only trust the impressions that we get from the outside. So the emotions uh, get a deprioritized status within us um, because we are so used to saying, well, you know, we can push that away. We can push that down because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. Now it's not the right time, what have you. Uh, And it's when we finally sit down and we actually start allowing these emotions to be and allowing us to experience them that we realize that they hold so much value. Yes, does it hurt to sit and allow old feelings to come up and make themselves known? Absolutely. But the, the longer we hold on to them, the long, uh, the more they're going to hurt when they finally do come up. Um, they they want to escape, so they, they are going to keep trying to escape. And the more you try to resist them, the more it's going to hurt. So... So I think that's that's the situation that we end up in. Uh, that we, when we go back into our old patterns of living in the external world, then we we lose the connection with the emotional. So the synchronicity is always there, but we're not paying attention to them because we don't have the connection with the emotional. Does that resonate with you, Tatiana? Totally. Okay, excellent. I'd like to also add to the mix to the concept of symbology mm-hmm. i think it's also an interesting thing too in the sense of where you also look at how um in uh in buddhism you had the swastika that represented the four elements and then in the western world it was completely flipped to represent something dark and evil and i remember that when I went to korea um, to teach English for a year, I went to a lot of different museums and that symbol was all over a lot of the different, you know, trunks and, and blankets and things like that. And initially it was a very difficult thing for me to reprogram it to something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that too, it's like when you have different kinds of symbols that have been almost like they've been perverted or they've been repurposed for something. I mean, it's, it's really funny that nowadays in, you know, like in California where I live, you have, uh, you have literally like clothing brands called propaganda and kids walk around with 
shirts that say obey all the time and things like that. And, you know, they don't know what they're wearing. They just think it's a cool shirt. But a lot of times, you know, to me, I look at a child running around with the word that says obey on it, thinking to myself, like, would they really know, would they really want to wear it if they knew what it's meant? But I think symbology also becomes a lot of times with the synchronicities, because again, kind of like Carl was talking about with regards to language. I know that um, in a manifestation of money um, sessions that I do with people, when people talk about make income, make income, 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 it's a low frequency word. Whereas in French, you know, revenu, it's a beautiful revenu, you know, you, you bring in revenu, it's just something that floats. It's a, it's a more beautiful way of saying it. And so it has a different energy frequency to it. And so I think that's the part also where when you look at other languages, you can see that there are certain things like, um, I know Vision in Mind Valley has talked about the word Higa in Danish, that there's no word for Higa in the sense of where it's not something that's translatable, but it's a delightful, sweet, warm, cozy word that you know represents a certain state of being. So that's the part too of where I think that the expansion, since we don't have all the words for people to take that in. I mean, like if you're standing at the lip of the Grand Canyon and you're taking in a sunset and you see the mouth of that canyon, I mean, it's breathtakingly gorgeous. Your whole body is resonating and vibrating with beautiful scenery or, you know, on Yellowstone Park. Or when you look up, I remember that in Ireland, it was, I've never seen clouds like there were in Ireland. Everywhere you looked up, there were these beautiful, big, puffy clouds. And some of them looked like, I mean, there was one that looked like Artemis. It actually looked like a you know, like a hunter with a bow and arrow. And then you'd see other clouds that would look like cherubs from Renaissance paintings. And it was just every time I looked at another cloud in Ireland, I don't know what it was about their sky, but it was just like these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful clouds that had all these different shapes. And same thing when I went to Alaska, I will never forget going to the glaciers. And by Alaska, there were these like uh, ice flows and all of the Eskimos and the Inuit do a lot of these soapstone carvings based on these things that they see in the ice. But I literally saw an ice carving in the ocean, naturally made, that was floating by the cruise ship that I was in. And it was actually in the shape of a dragon. It was literally like a lifted up dragon that had its tongue out. And it looked like one of those Chinese dragons that you would see like in a parade. It was completely 100% perfect dragon in an ice flow. So those are the kind of things too, in the sense of where it's like, you see those kind of things and you say, wow, nature has the opportunity to present this beautiful show for us, this beautiful palette of things. And again, it's like, what did that uh, dragon in ice sculpture in Alaska by the glaciers mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that it had to mean anything, but it still was a synchronicity of being able to see that there's so much art and beauty in nature. And so from there, I see that as much in synchronicities as everything else, because I'm paying attention. Well, um, in that case, as you described, it, it drew your attention to the uh, magnificence and the power and the beauty of, of the natural world, right? So it did have the, that emotional, uh, evoked that emotional connection, did it? Well, and it's also the fact that, again, it comes down to, again, what we were talking about with the New Age movement, telling people how they're supposed to feel about different things. When you get to the glaciers, they're blue. They're yeah. completely blue color they are so beautiful it's almost like they're glowing from the inside but you take a photograph of it and they come out white so that's the part too that if you want to tell somebody what the photographic resonance is of that 
or the what's captured on a on a film that's a different version than what you're experiencing live and in some ways that's a really beautiful metaphor for living life mm-hmm. being inside of that experience and actually experiencing it in person with other people while you're all taking it in together that is a live experience that comes to a memory whereas a film it's a snapshot but it's still artificial it's still a recreation of a moment as opposed to in person. So that's the part too, where I think it's an interesting thing because it doesn't pick up the hues and the color that's in that glacier. It only picks up what it can pick up because it's a camera. So well, that, that's well, the, the only way to reproduce it would, would be for you to paint it, right? Yeah. And that, then you can get those colors because then you, you're seeing what you're seeing. And this is where I suppose technology is never going to be able to have a soul because it's uh, unreplicatable as it were um can have the intelligence but not the soul um Mm -hmm. and the emotions of it so it's and yeah uh the symbolism is is very important and this is something uh, we talk about in uh psychometry uh where you know the energy you get the information you get through your subconscious isn't through words it comes through as symbolism uh, triggers memories it triggers experience experiences and so forth emotions and so forth so it is uh like you were saying that you know income may be low vibrational but revenue because it sounds better in french to an english speaker is a higher vibration for an english speaker but for a french person it might be the other way around right so uh the words because that's words or language is, is what separates us uh, in the, the third dimension or geography as well, I suppose. But <laughs> uh, when we get together, then it's the uh, the words uh, themselves aren't, aren't as important as the emotions. And I, um, I think it was very interesting with uh, Jeffrey Allen when he was describing when he met his wife, uh, who's Japanese. Uh, she didn't speak a word of English. She didn't speak in a Japanese, but they just knew that this was it. They didn't need to speak. They, they could com- communicate through their emotions, um, which were uh, truly powerful uh, experience, uh, I, must, I, I would imagine. It comes down to the, having the, the emotional connection with the outside but if you only live on the outside, you're, you're dropping that connection with the emotion. So uh, allow yourself to stay in your body. Allow yourself to uh, be connected with your emotions and allow yourself to observe your experiences from your awareness. Then you are able to build that connection with uh, between your emotions and the outside. And that then uh, perpetuates the uh, the synchronicities and you can then use those synchronicities to make a a far richer experience for yourself whether you uh, are a spiritual person or you're an atheist doesn't matter it's only you you, it's from your perspective and from your experience that matters and i want to thank everybody for coming here today and uh, sharing your insights and uh, being part of uh, this conversation and hopefully you've uh, gain some nuggets of wisdom and perhaps uh, some questions that are now being asked to yourself. Just remember that, ask yourself a question and uh, your mind or your 
the universe is compelled to give you an answer. So be uh, mindful of the questions you ask, but ask many of them. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Take care. So whether we believe in the spiritual Harry being of some sort or not, really doesn't matter because it comes down to where you direct your mind, you direct your energy. So if you are picking up on uh, certain things, then pay attention to what uh, happens in your mind at that same time. What are the, your thoughts that are going on at that same moment? So if you keep seeing a number sequence, um, so to speak, outside the statistical probabilities and you can determine that it's a statistical anomaly, then uh, perhaps I'm stuck asking yourselves questions as to why that is. Why is your mind directing you towards these number sequences? Or in the case if you have a belief system, why is it that the beyond is trying to tell you? A lot of the work I do as a coach is to help highlight things that are in people's uh, blind spots and uh, you can't necessarily see because you they're entrenched in their own belief system and their own conditioning as it were. So, these uh, certainly serve, to, they serve the same purpose, but if you want to work with these uh, kind of hidden systems within yourself, certainly uh, feel free to contact us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk. If you go to our website, we have a, uh, a link there where you can book a 30-minute free consultation to see if uh, we are uh, the workshop for you to explore these aspects of you further. But for now, I'm uh, going to wish you all the best and uh, hope to see you at the next uh, podcast. Take care for now. Bye.